0: You are listening to Mark Hatmaker rough and tumble raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship for these hosses of yore. Crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Uh, In a recent uh, video we posted on social media, we were showing uh, something called Kwanuitu Sukobi, which is a little ground uh, mobility derail. It basically means uh, earth squat or ground squat. And it's a very small motion that was part of a longer set about mobility, utility from a Plains Indian tradition. You can find this in many different martial styles and things across the globe. On one hand, it's not unique to try and think of unique ways to move. Uh, what is perhaps unique is the fact that uh, not giving enough credit that uh, there's a good deal of thought going into a uh, Old ways. So if, even if you hadn't seen this video, today's little uh, uh, exposition, little essay will give us an insight to how much thought might have gone into something. We're going to talk about walking like a warrior. And even though we're not even dealing with that video clip, if you've not seen it, it doesn't matter. This is a completely different subject, but just let you know how deeply thoughtful some of this material is. And again, in reading so much of the contemporary historical accounts written by soldiers, we're talking cavalry and dragoons, uh, other, other accounts by settlers, scouts, pioneers, and other citizens of the American frontiers from the 1680s all the way through the 1880s, I, you know, you'll find mentioned that Native Americans uh, in these accounts they're called Indians or savages in the accounts they did not walk like white men. Their gait, stride, and foot placement is described often in poetic terms as light or, you know, light-footed, fleet, gliding, and oftentimes springy or spring-like. If you you ever read the uh Finmore coopers uh the last the mohicans and the other uh leather uh, tales i mean you, you get the idea of how these things are being referred to um now, these terms, while descriptive the effect, do little to tell us of how or why of the gate. We can find clues in accounts given by trackers in any of the myriad Indian wars or skirmishes that riddled the continent in the first few centuries of the settling of this nation. The obvious telltale barefoot or soft impression of a moccasin is often a giveaway that you have a Native American track, but this is less so in the moccasin foot as more and more anglo backwoodsmen woodsmen also adopted this footwear. But there are a few accounts that mention how you can distinguish a Native American warrior's imprint from an anglo track and incidentally the strides discussed were not used only by the warrior caste, but all the people of the given tribe but as we shall see it might be of particular value to a warrior the key it seems is the direction of the stride now this is self-experiment time stand up right now wherever you are if you're able to stand up if you're driving obviously not but wherever you are and go for a brief walk a mere 10 to 12 steps will do it while walking look at your feet if you're like the vast majority of human beings, you walk with the toes pointed slightly out to the side. Now, stand stock still, look down at your feet. Chances are you stand with your feet in the same toes-out orientation. Now, according to our trackers, the native warrior imprint has zero toe-out orientation. In fact, the toes point in the direction of the walk. Is this uh, following the toe orientation a genetic quirk of Native American skeletal structure, an artifact of primarily living barefoot or moccasin, or is this a cognitive stride choice? Now we're going to come back to that question. Another difference noticed by our trackers is weight distribution. When Anglos take a step, the heel lands first, followed by a rocking forward on the inside ball of the foot to push off for the next step. The native warrior track sees little heel imprint at all. Instead, their imprint favors the balls of the feet and or the whole sole of the foot landing in one concerted unit as though one were treating the foot as a natural snowshoe. Now, in the Native American tracks, the ball of the foot imprints then become deeper, for rather than rocking to the next step, the calves are actively engaged to push the next step. That's key when you think it. Most of us are rocking forward on their feet. Feet, not using very little calf engagement. In essence, the balls of the feet are the first to make contact and the last to leave the earth with each step as you follow the toe with each stride. If you experiment with the stride, you will find that it does lend itself to such descriptors as light like gliding and springing. It almost has a stalking or a sneaky aspect. When we're going slow like this, it, it, it doesn't feel natural. It will definitely have the look of you're trying to sneak up on something. When you're going faster, it becomes invisible, but if you're still uh, concentrated and have learned the mechanics and made them part and parcel of yourself, then uh it, it doesn't really feel like sneaky, of course, because you're back, you're back up to speed, but you're still obeying all the mechanics you did in that slow, uh, sneaky beginnings. Now, one can easily imagine such a stride being of use in stalking, but it seems this stride was a given. Yes, used in stalking, skulking, which are war scenarios, but also in everyday life by young and old men and women and children alike. Again, is this a skeletal quirk? Is this an artifact of not using hard-soled footwear over the lifespan? Or is this a, uh, a choice, a design? Again, we'll come back to that. The contemporary accounts I mentioned, whether they be of the tribes of the eastern woodlands, the plains Indians, or the bands of the southwest, often discuss incidents of remarkable endurance demonstrated by Native Americans on the move. There are many, many, many stories of seemingly tireless stamina related both admiringly and sometimes begrudgingly in military accounts from soldiers forced to face them in war. We'll discuss the interesting running training tactics used by various tribes another day, and, but today we're going to keep it slow. We're going to stick with the walk, and here I will paraphrase two accounts to demonstrate that the aforementioned stride is one of conscious choice. Now, General Ulysses S. Grant had under his command a Seneca Indian, Eli S. Parker, a remarkable man who, despite unforgivable intolerance from many who served in the United States, I mean, I mean, he served with honor. He represented Native Americans with the plume and earned the respect of General Grant. Mr. Parker's life deserves many words, but let's allow one anecdote to suffice as it pertains to our topic at hand. Now, Mr. Parker served as an engineer under Grant during the Civil War, and often there were occasions which there were long marches through the wilderness, as it was called. In any forested land, it was called the Wilderness, with capital W. After many days and many miles of this slogging trek, the Anglo soldiers were rightfully fatigued. Mr. Parker went to Grant and asked if he might make a suggestion, to which General Grant replied, take command. Parker instructed the soldiers to alter their stride from toes out to following the toe. He offered a few words on placement. The main crux he related was that to follow the toes engaged more muscles of the foot and more equally distributed the workload. That's mighty interesting. Here we have a Native American warrior who also happens to be an engineer able to articulate exactly how and why such an alteration in stride might be of value. The moral of this particular anecdote, according to the accounts that mention it, is that the trek through the Wilderness, capital W, was recommenced and the soldiers related that they were far more refreshed and better able to bear the workload with this method of locomotion. Now, so far, it seems there is more than enough evidence to at least experiment with this stride, but let's add one more piece to the conscious choice evidence column. Walking uphill. When moving uphill, Anglo tracks do not alter the toe-out orientation, whereas the Native American tracks abandon their fall of the toe stride. What we find instead is a toes-in Orientage, almost a pigeon toes When walking, hiking, loping uphill, native warriors and tribe members in general adopt a slight pigeon toed gait. Now, I find this mentioned in many accounts with seldom a mention as to why. But then, in an obscure passage, we find a nameless warrior instructing an Anglo who has adopted moccasins to toe in while, while following a uh, slope. Why are anglo And he's responded with so that you don't slip, you can grip with the feet. And barefoot self experimentation I found that there does indeed to be see, uh, seem to be better traction with the toes in method with scrambling uphill. Now with wearing hard soled boots, it's harder to feel this sort of thing going but barefoot or you switch off to soft moccasins, you can definitely feel this effect of yeah, you feel like you can grip more. Over the course of a few months of consciously working these techniques, I stand convinced that the follow the toes on flat ground and toes in when going uphill are mighty mighty useful to adaptations initially they call for more work from the calves that have been uh, used to a lifetime of heel landing rocking to the toes in other words a little bit of uh, dormancy or disuse but following the toes has let me know how long my calves have actually been dormant now whether you try the self-experiment or not it's up to you but i think we must all acknowledge that the conscious effort to make everything more efficient including our mere walking strides is a mighty mighty thought-provoking exercise and ingenuity and you have to ask yourself what other bit of obliviousness uh, might we all be blind to um, again, that's the part and parcel of so much of what we're doing with the raw, the black box material, the unlettered material. And uh, we will have an incomplete volume of a unletter that's talking about some of these uh, natural movements in more detail. And again, I refer you back to that vid- uh, video, the Kwanluwito Sokobi. It's just a tiny, tiny uh, piece of the iceberg, just an ice cube off the iceberg to show. us a lot of thought got into very, very simple ways to move that turn out to not be so simple and yet have a great deal of function behind them. Anyway, crew, hope you enjoyed that. Take care of yourselves.